Welcome to the Mindful Medicine Podcast. I, Juliana Zapatel, will be your host, bringing in experts to discuss a holistic approach to well-being using Eastern philosophy and Western research. Today, I welcome Danielle Elise, who's an alternative healing practitioner. We discuss her three main modalities, which are sound healing, Reiki, and spiritual hypnotherapy. And so what was your personal journey into these three pillars of work? Was there something that happened in your life that brought you to this form of work? I think that every step of my life was really informing and drawing me into these different modalities. Um, When I look back, it seems that they were all there all along, but it definitely was an act of becoming to meet and then be able to embody these aspects of healing. Um, a quick kind of download, um, I, my original studies are in theology. Um, so in my early 20s, that was my main focus, specifically in monotheistic religions. I was always interested by the spiritual. I was definitely like a weird kid that saw spirits and was psychic, but didn't really have the framework to understand it because I grew up in a monotheistic home. And um, through my early 20s, I did mission work as well as was a worship leading pastor um, in a Christian church. And I always loved existing in spaces that were connected to the, the divine and were sacred. But um, through my own experience of joining a crazy Christian cult and um, studying theology and then the unbecoming of all of that, I still had this kind of hole that I knew that some of the things I experienced were really real, but the framework to which I could understand those things didn't meet the resonance that I needed. And then that's when um, I began studying almost every type of spirituality I could to be able to really identify, okay, what is this thing? And through my own journey, I realized that we are all describing similar things We just all have different lenses in which we're describing those things in different language and different historical contexts and cultural context that then I found spaces that I really resonated with. Um, And Reiki was one of those first spaces that I felt was applicable to anyone despite what their belief system was. I noticed in religion, there's a lot of division between belief systems and that didn't resonate with me. I think that each person's sovereignty is so important that they get to believe their own reality. I'm not gonna try to change your mind of what you believe. That would be manipulative and that's not really the vibration of love, which the universal rule is do no harm and that's harmful. So being able to enter into Reiki and really be able to experience the presence of divinity in a way that was outside of a religious context was so healing. And that's kind of what spiraled everything from there into finding my voice again and being able to find something that felt so familiar, like sound healing. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. Uh, For people who may be unfamiliar with Reiki, could you give a brief explanation of how this healing modality works and where it comes from? Yeah, so the specific Reiki that I've studied is Asui Reiki. And this was created by... 
um, Asui, and it is originally from Japan, um, and it is a healing modality that essentially Reiki means spirit is here. So this is a um, working with the divine life force of spirit that is within all things. I am not healing from my own energy centers or my own will. In fact, I'm emptying myself to enter into that universal energy of the God essence. And um, you'll see it repeated in many different cultures. You know, even Asui Reiki, he's not the one who really originated it. It has Shinto practices within it as well. And there's even the Tibetan form of Reiki. So Reiki is one aspect of this laying on or hands off healing but it's repeated in so many cultures. You can even find it in the Bible, speaking about laying on of hands. In so many different religions and so many different belief systems, we have this um, connection to physical presence and the healing that can be available for us there, especially in community spaces. Yeah, so with Reiki, and when you use this with your clients, what do you kind of see in them? Is there a shift in their energy? How do they explain what they feel at the end of a session? People can experience so many different things because we're all such divine, unique beings. So for some people, they will just feel a really deep relaxation. You know, people come for more spiritual intentions, other for more physical um, also a lot for mental, especially in what we've experienced in the collective in the last few years. A lot of people have a lot of mental healing that they're desiring, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so people can experience everything from a deep state of rest and ease to finally feeling in their body again. A lot of people have come to me when they desire Reiki saying that it feels like there's a pane of glass between them and their life. They aren't fully feeling connected to life. And a Reiki session can really help restore that connection to your mind and body and spirit. What I love telling people is, I am not healing you, right? Because it's not coming from my energy. I am literally emptying myself so the life force energy that's within all, including the person receiving, that they're able to receive that divine healing. So really, when it comes down to it, they're just healing themselves, and I'm holding the space for that to happen. Mm-hmm. So you're like a vessel for this life force. Exactly, which we all are. Mm-hmm. I think that we all have the ability to tap into this wisdom. Um, you know, the healer that we're looking for is not really the one looking back at us in the mirror, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that brings up a great point of when we're discussing healing, it's more about coming back to this pre-existing wholeness, right? Not looking for something outside of us, which often I think is promoted in our culture. You know, and I think it's good to kind of clarify that when we do have this discussion so people realize that the power, you know, is within themselves. Is that kind of something that you feel like you share with your work as well? Definitely. I am always wanting to empower people to remember all of their healing qualities and capabilities that they have. Um, even something like prayer can look so different for so many people, but it is profoundly, profoundly, like, it's deep medicine, it's a tincture that you can take every single morning of just presence, of honoring that there's something outside of you. Um, and whatever that may look like to you, whether you refer to it as God or Great Spirit or Allah or however you connect to the divine, um, even if it's as something as simple as cosmos, it can be, you know, as unique as your belief system is. But yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have the ability. We don't need to be looking to outside sources to tell us how it is best to heal. In fact, I think that our own intuition knows so much more 
And if we create space to actually listen, then we can drop into those spaces. Yeah. So how does sound healing facilitate this healing process? What else um, does it contribute when you're working with clients? Like, Have you noticed certain benefits that clients come out with with a sound healing session? The benefits are so immense. We can go on yeah. and on and on and list them. Mm-hmm. Because what it does really with the 432 hertz crystal bowls that I work with, that mm-hmm. hertz allows inflammation in the body to decrease substantially. So mm-hmm. a lot of mental illness we see is inflammation, you know, physical. Mm-hmm. Even even if you want to liken it to spiritual, right? Places in our beings, in our subtle body that we are inflamed. Um, it allows people to kind of get out of their own way of meaning making and drop into a moment where they are no one moving, right? They are mm-hmm. just present. And how much in our society are we actually just present? And there's something really powerful that can happen in those spaces, not only from the science behind sound. Um, Dr. Jonathan Goldman is one of my favorite people that you can dive into more, all of mm-hmm. his research. Um, but also just being able to be still and be quiet and be with yourself in that space with the instruments. You know, it can be a psychedelic journey and it can also give you that ease that you are able to access in a society with so much noise pollution. Like we go around and there's so much noise around us in this grand symphony of life. that how much do we take time to really get quiet? Because there's medicine in that silence too. So that's mm-hmm. what I love about sound healings. It also gives people a space to be quiet and really mm-hmm. come back to the self. Yeah, and, and you were speaking about it earlier as if we are an instrument and you're using the sound to tune us. Can you kind of dive into what that means a little more? Yeah, that is like one of my favorite things about sound healing because when you really dive into it, I mean, you can go down so many rabbit holes about the quantum here. Like, especially I'm an intellectual, so I love diving down those rabbit holes. Um, but when you really look at it, we all have a biological resonance frequency. So we are all constantly emitting sound. Even us here right now, we're creating this beautiful harmonic as we're tuning together to create this attunement of the vibration of our, our two essence being together. Yet, us hearing that sound with our ears, that's another story. Mm-hmm. And when you really look at it, everything goes back to vibration and everything has come from vibration. So if my biological resonance frequency is existing maybe on a um, less harmonic space, I and mean, there's a little dissonance, then you may feel um, some of those lower vibrational feelings of guilt, shame, um, grief can also bring that in too, um, trauma especially. And when you go into a sound bath, it's almost like you are this divine harp or, or guitar that's just being retuned by those frequencies to bring your, be able to elevate and bring those back into harmony with yourself so that, that your biological resonance frequency is vibrating in its most optimal state. And when you experience that, you'll experience emotions of joy, of peace, of ease. And that is something that I think allows me to move away from the duality of good or bad or high or low and just view it as neutral. 
We're all just these instruments moving through life and things happen. You let a guitar sit on a wall or sit in its case for too long, you take it back out to play it, it's gonna be out of tune, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna judge that guitar and be like, what a bad guitar. How dare you be out of tune when I haven't been using you, right? I'm just gonna mm-hmm. tune it, right? And if we view our own beings like that too, we can take away this idea of good or bad, high or low, and move away from the duality and move into radical acceptance for what is mm-hmm. and extend a little more love and compassion to ourselves of, hey, I just need a tune-up. And that mm-hmm. doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I love that explanation. I'm curious too if there's a connection between the waves in our brain with the sound waves and how they can produce you know different states like whether it's a deep sleep relaxation state or even a more heightened energized state what does that kind of look like with sound totally so I love this because I totally geek out on the theta because theta brainwave state is where a lot of my work is in Mm -hmm. um so within our normal day we as westerners are normally living in high beta which this is like waking up having a coffee not eating starting your nine to five starting your studies right just jumping Mm -hmm. straight into it when we're in the beta state especially high beta there's anxiety present and we can be looking and more focused on the outside world right and the thing about the brainwave frequencies this isn't just like okay i'm in beta now i'm in theta now i'm in delta like they they simultaneously are activated together so you can have um, multiple brain waves at, at one time right so when we're painting this picture you know as a western world we're typically existing more in in our waking world in high beta and beta state externally focused when we start switching into alpha that changes and the way it works with sound is when you have a constant beat, like the experience of a drum circle, you're in the alpha brainwave state, right? Because mm-hmm. that pattern, you can't even notice it if you listen to your heart. And that shifts the focus where you start turning to the inward world. And then mm-hmm. from the alpha, we can transition into theta brainwave state, which is my favorite. <laughs> um, the theta brainwave state, we don't experience as much in our adulthood. Um, once the cognitive mind functions, we stop experiencing that as much um, about 12 years old. But in mm-hmm. our childhood, we see a lot of theta brainwaves active. And this is a state of non-judgment. This is a state of innovative solutions, activating that self-healing property of the body, of decreasing inflammation in the body. Um, this can be a dreamlike twilight state. So like right before you wake up and right before you go to bed, when you're mm-hmm. in trance, So when you're in trance, you are in the theta brainwave state. And so much work can be done there from shamanic work to um, even childhood um, memories can come up again because you're in that same brainwave state. And this is also where we can go into the subconscious mind where we don't have the critical mind as that like alert dog saying like, all this different stuff. And you're actually able to jump into the subconscious which then you can use to plant different truth there or excavate things that are informing your reality that are maybe harmful, right? Mm -hmm. So the theta brainwave state is what we're accessing in hypnosis. So it's very, very powerful. And then we go into delta, which that's some of our deep sleep. But even in meditation, you can see delta waves present. Um, This is a lot slower, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and it's a lot dropping in. And then you get into gamma, 
which is you'll be finding like when they do the scans of the monks, you'll be able to see that in the meditation state, but we can even mm -hmm. drop into it. It's a merging of this divine wisdom. You know, we hear mm -hmm. a lot of people being like, oh my gosh, I was in meditation. I just got this download. You mm -hmm. probably were in the gamma brainwave state. Um, it's a kind of all knowing that just drops into you of wisdom when we're mm -hmm. able to access that. And the benefits for the body are immense within these spaces. So sound mainly within sound healing, we're really wanting to turn from the beta, which is where we are existing most of the time in our waking world, and tuning into that theta, alpha, and sometimes even delta and gamma states. Mm, yeah, that's amazing. And when you are holding space in a sound healing session, and I've seen you have lots of different instruments that you bring, do you have an intention with each instrument of how it can bring you deeper into that state? Definitely. So that goes back to a lot of my studies. So I studied sound healing from um, kind of a Western point of view and more of a Peruvian shamanic point of view mm -hmm. um, from my teacher, Raquel Webb. And she also teaches a lot of Lunarian essence um, and remembrance through her containers. And there are specific instruments that are used at specific times to create a sound journey. So when I'm using a rhythm, I'm bringing in the alpha state for a specific reason, or I'm bringing them into a deeper theta. Um, there's instruments that are known as disruptors, and I like to describe this before sound bath so people know what they're getting into. Um, mm -hmm. Something that's a little more abrasive, like um, an ocean drum or a rattle or even the gong, right? These are being used to kick up the energy in the body. It's like walking into a lake and getting all of the little soot and mud to come to the surface so then I can bring in a smoother, like the crystal samples, to clear that out, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're wanting to awaken these different spaces in which we buried and held like trauma or grief or, or any other, um, you know, lower vibrational experiences that we've stored inside of our body. I'm pointing to our hips now because that's where we hold a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm wanting to kick that up so then we're able to really breathe into that and for you to decide, do I still want to hold on to that? So in a sound bath experience, you can have um, so many different um, journeys based off of when you enact the instruments and why you do. And these instruments are really teachers in themselves. I see them as their own sovereign um, teachers or entities, really. Um, so a lot of the times they'll kind of like, <laughs> it's funny, the way that I experience it psychically is I hear the instrument before I start playing it. And so mm. all of my sound baths, they aren't planned out because I work in the quantum realm. So what each one of those divine tuning forks, those people that are attending the sound bath, they're going to need a different thing each time. So I read the energy in the room and then based off of that and different like shamanic um, approaches that I learned throughout my years of study, then I'll evaluate and be able to create that crafted journey just for that specific moment. And that's what I think is so special about the way that I facilitate sound baths is I like it to be in the spontaneity of the eternal now. Because if I go in to plan it, I'm not really present, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm actually able to be present and scan the room and see what's needed. Um, and normally they'll signal me by I'll start hearing it in my ear before I start playing the instrument as well. 
Wow, that's honestly very inspiring as a yoga teacher too, because it's always this back and forth of how much planning and how much being in the moment. And, and that's such a beautiful practice you're able to hold for people. Um, it brings up also this thought of, I've practiced a lot with somatics and I always view it as a form of movement to process the trauma, but it's almost like sound is moving through you to process the trauma instead of your body moving. Is that kind of a way that sound is somatics and connected to somatics? I think definitely, but I encourage people to move mm-hmm. in my sound baths. Like if you're feeling that, like there's no need to be stoic. Like if mm-hmm. you need, if you're feeling, like it always cracks me up when people are like, I needed to cough so bad and I didn't cough. Like <laughs> that's probably energy leaving your body. Like let yourself cough. If you need to yawn, let yourself yawn. I mean, snoring, we're going to like lovingly touch our neighbors so that we can all be present together. <laughs> but mm-hmm. if you need to move, move. You know, a lot of the times in my intimate sound baths, people will release trauma through tremors. You know, it's important to allow your body to have the somatic experience with the sound as well. And mm-hmm. then when you bring in the breath with that, that's a next level because you're connecting mm-hmm. to, okay, maybe, I, I say this for the gong because this is the way I experienced it. It's like in my heart, I can get these fluttery feelings um, mm-hmm. of almost panic. And it's bringing up that, that heightened state in me. But if I connect to the breath, rather than connecting to the meaning making of why I'm feeling that sensation, if I stop judging the sensation and I assign it a color, I assign it a texture, I enter into a somatic experience with it. Then I'm able to breathe in my life force, my ha, send it into the space that I'm feeling that, and give it permission to release. So really, if you use a somatic, a breath, and a sound experience together, you can see radical shifts in a very short amount of time. Yeah, so it's really about getting out of this thinking mind and coming back to the body, right? Exactly, and yeah. connecting again to the wisdom of that, right? Mm-hmm. As a society, we really do exist in the cerebral state, but like, let's drop back into our hearts. Let's drop mm-hmm. back into our bellies. So many people can't even breathe into their belly, and it's because they've never been taught how to. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, when I tell people take a deep inhale, sometimes they're like, I don't know how to inhale like that, you know? And it's like, okay, well, let's learn together. Now, let's be present mm-hmm. with this beautiful temple that is your human body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, so I'm curious, like, now that we're coming into this wave of everything being online and with COVID and a lot of remote work, what is the experience for sound healing if it's online or if it's recorded? Do you feel like it's different than being in the room physically present with people? Yeah, because the science is different. So when it comes to hertz, like I was saying with the biological resonance frequency, right, our, our ears are able to hear a certain um, scale of what is being emitted. Mm-hmm. But when you are in the room, it's also a felt experience because you are experiencing that sound on aspects that you can't even hear it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So right. when you're going into a online there's certain hertz that actually can't be transposed into the recording that then gets compressed and then gets sent through the Zoom and is compressed again. Or even, you know, on Spotify, like my tracks that I have on Spotify, those are going to be different than if you're in the room experiencing the sound bath. Of course, it's always best if you're in person, but you can still experience some great effects when you are in person just the Mm -hmm. amount of the hurts you're actually able to experience will be a shorter scale than in what it is in person Mm -hmm. yeah that totally makes sense 
And so um, it sounds like people, this can bring up a lot of things for people, right? Like in the body or even past regression or different difficult emotions. And so you've had some background with trauma-informed work as well. Do you work with clients kind of maybe after a sound or a Reiki healing experience and process that integration of like, how are they going to process and continue this in their day-to-day? Yeah, I definitely like to give people resources and tools. And mm-hmm. with all of my clients, I am very, I don't take on more than I can handle, which I think mm-hmm. is really, 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 really important. I can't stress that enough for mm-hmm. practitioners because I am walking through a very intimate part of this person's experience. They're entrusting me to be present. So I'm going to be present. I'm not going to take on more than my bandwidth, right? Mm-hmm. So specifically with my hypnotherapy clients, I'll normally only see two clients for a container at a time, meaning for a four-week period, I'm only taking on two clients until their process, if they feel that they're ready to move on from that section of deep hypnosis. Because in those sessions, these are like two to three hours long. So we mm-hmm. have a lot of time to be able to unpack things. I never want anyone to leave a session feeling raw. That means that I haven't done my job right, you know? Mm -hmm. And if somebody leaves triggered, we haven't neutralized those triggers. So Mm -hmm. they actually haven't come in for what they need. So with my integrity and my ethics, I really, really highlight that that will never be the case with my clients. I make sure that you're stabilized and are able to move about your world in a cohesive and present way before leaving. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, sound can wake up a lot of intense emotions and maybe parts of ourselves that we haven't looked about a really long time or maybe ever we might not have ever looked at that portion of ourselves before um, and so I always like there to be plenty of integration time afterwards and for my group sessions you know I'm not going to go as deep into those like excavations because I need to properly hold the container so when it's a one-on-one work, we're really going to be getting into the nitty-gritty. But when it's in a group space, it's definitely going to be a safe environment for everyone to enter into the sound together. So those sound healings, they'll look different because there's different intentions there. And there's a different field that's being held versus a community field and then a one-on-one experience. Mm-hmm. And so are there specific tools you recommend for people to use to continue this inward journey when they aren't working with you, like in their own time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love binaural beats. They are Mm -hmm. amazing. I highly recommend that. Also, even if sound isn't as good over Spotify, like I still recommend specific frequencies for whatever they're working through and solfeggio frequencies. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, my go-to is always just telling people, look up 432 Hertz on YouTube and look for a playlist that plays for eight hours you know also you can cleanse your spaces that way too so Mm -hmm. you know if you're wanting to enter into the alpha state and be more focused on a project that you're doing or you know they're currently being drawn out of the current moment because they're thinking about this other aspect i'll encourage them to listen to a hertz that activates the alpha brainwave state or look up binaural beats for focus um and that can be a really really great resource I always remind people that they don't need me to access this healing state, right? Mm -hmm. I always highlight, like, you are your own healer. I'm just reminding you of all that you're able to do on your own, too. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the times there will be specific tools because I have such a myriad of different experience throughout my life 
of what's worked for me too because I healed myself in PTSD so I understand what it's like to have all that comes with that experience and so mm-hmm. I like to tailor it specifically for whatever that person is really needing for their full integration but I highly recommend for anyone just to start dabbling and see what solfeggio frequency feels really good for you or dive into binaural beats and see what can happen. You know, when you're listening to that, you always want to listen to it in headphones because it is doing the similar effect um, of that, um, switching from the left to the right in order to allow yourself to actually hear a different frequency, which the science of that is just crazy too. Um, <laughs> But that's a, that's a really great place to start. And if people aren't able to continue one-on-one, I have stuff all over town too. So a lot of the times, you know, I'll see a client really intensely when they're needing to break through this specific season of their life. And then I'll see them once every six months or like once every year. But with my clients, I let people always have email access to me. So it's like, mm-hmm. if you're really going through something and something's heightened and you reach out, like... I'm going to give you all of the resources that I have. I'm going to look at my tool chest and say, okay, this is what worked for me. You can try it or maybe try this or this research shows this, you know. And mm-hmm. we have so many more resources around us than we realize. Something as simple as our breath, right, that can be a major, major way to be brought out of that fight or flight. Um, something I always teach my clients is the seed sound of mmm. So when you inhale and you allow your exhale to be that soft mmm hum, you'll notice you do it like when things taste good or when you resonate <laughs> with somebody, your body already does this. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it actually stimulates the vagus nerve. And so it can immediately drop us into a place of safety. So that is something that I love giving clients, you know? If you're in a moment where you're starting to notice your emotional field is like getting heightened, just like take a moment Feel your feet on the ground, really ground in. Feel the bottom of your spine, the top of your head. Take an inhale and exhale. Mm. And I bet you feel better just by that presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a beautiful technique. I'm curious with sleeping too, is there specific things you recommend? Is that a good state for somebody um, to get into if they need to process certain things? You know, I always hear that sleeping is kind of healing in itself and um, can have a lot of amazing properties for people. So is there a specific frequency that works for sleeping? I always write, I, I, I always like will go straight to 432 hertz because that's one mm-hmm. of my favorites, right? Because we're going into the theta brainwave state. Um, mm-hmm. Something else that can be really good for people is like 528 when that is switching the frequency of fear into love. So mm-hmm. it allows us to disarm and really enter into that. But all the solfeggio frequencies, you can break them down one by one. And even if you just like look it up online, there's plenty of lists of it. And you can look up your specific symptoms and then be able to use a hertz for that. So if mm-hmm. you are having insomnia issues, I just like, I normally will just play this in my room until like, I fall asleep a lot of the time and putting on there's some um, different albums that are specifically dedicated to to deep sleep Um, and they'll have different aspects of those solfeggio frequencies interwoven throughout them. Mm -hmm. Great that's a great recommendation and um, you were saying earlier too that you healed some of your own work and that's kind of how you're able to provide a container for other people. Was a lot of your healing related to um, this work that you do, did you kind of have your own people that helped you with sound healing, Reiki, and all these things that then, you know, you're able to share with others? 
Um, a lot of my experience was self-healing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as I had said, I grew up in a monotheistic framework of viewing the world. Um, mm-hmm. And when I had left a Christian cult and experienced that, like, excommunication from that community, um, I had to find my own tools. Mm-hmm. And it started with, you know, because this was a journey of beyond the last 10 years. Um, and so it wasn't really, um, I would say that there were definitely different allies, especially um, plant medicines that really helped um, the excavation and some of that process. And um, one of my good friends, his, he's local in Santa Barbara, his name is Brandon Kaysen, and uh, I went to a lot of his sound baths for a while when I had moved back to Santa Barbara, and that was kind of first my introductions into sound, and there was something that just always resonated there, but as far as sound being healing for me, it really went back to coming back to my voice. You know, your voice mm-hmm. is more unique than your fingerprint, and whether you can hear a good singer or not, simply humming can really help activate self-healing properties in the body mm-hmm. and singing is a powerful way to heal um so through plant medicines also the power of prayer and um my own integration of course was constantly like i've been in therapy since i was 13 so you know in a clinical sex sets of um internal family solutions and some other different type of therapists i always always recommend that my clients have a base work like that Mm-hmm. So I, I don't say to go all one way or all another. I think everything is balanced. And so it's really important to also have a clinical aspect to that so that you have some grounding in your processing, especially when working with some alternative medicines. It's really nice to have that anchor of consistency to have a talk therapist that you're coming back to every week. I had an amazing talk therapist um, that really helped me through a lot of um, you know, healing from a religious cult, it, take, it takes a lot. And even mm-hmm. before that, I had PTSD. And so this was really many years of different modalities and finding that healing. As each person is so unique, you know, what works for me might not work for another person. But my journey was one that allowed me to really drop into the radical acceptance of the experience so that now I'm able to see each person as their own unique being. There's not mm-hmm. one size fits all. It's what's going to work for you, you know, might not work for the next person. Or just follow those things that you feel a magnetic pull to, because that's really where I found there to be mass and mass of healing. And my teacher, um, William Max, for spiritual hypnotherapy, he really, really helped me in some of the excavation of some of that suppressed memories. Um, And so hypnosis can be a very, very powerful ally in the healing journey. Um, for PTSD as well. Yeah, it's so empowering to hear that you've healed this because I feel like in the West, oftentimes these things are viewed as part of one's identity and like unhealable or like we just have to kind of band-aid it up and move on. And it's beautiful to see this like deep work that you're able to do and then share with others now. Yeah, it's... Yeah, and my top therapist was one of the very first people that even let me know that PTG exists. Mm-hmm. And that's post-traumatic growth. There's a whole entire like a reservoir of wisdom mm-hmm. behind PTG. And you know, Mary Firestone, she is a local woman who experienced mudslides and has written a book 
about her experience. And um, mm -hmm. when we first connected, you know, we both had changed our diagnosis from PTSD to PTG. And connecting with her, this was some of the very first people outside of my therapist that even validated that this was a reality. You know, we highlight so much on the illness, but you can actually go through trauma and from that, go through massive amount of growth. And just knowing that that's even an option is huge, absolutely mm -hmm. huge. And I highly recommend, I'm forgetting um, the full title, I think it's Breaking the Dawn, um, from Mary Firestone, but she goes into that and she talks about specifically with PTG and PTSD, the different modalities that worked for her and resources in that too. And um, mm -hmm. there's some great interviews and I talk a little bit about sound more in that book as well. Mm, yeah, it's, it's amazing to know that we're never stuck. There's, there's always this opportunity for growth, which is, it's again, just so empowering. Um, and you briefly mentioned some of your spiritual hypnotherapy work that you've done and that you also provide for clients. I'd love if you went into a little more detail of what that looks like and, um, you know, people who were just unaware of this as a healing modality, you know, how can they learn about that? Yeah, so spiritual hypnotherapy, it's more of a shamanic approach to, um, versus more of the clinical hypnotherapy approach. Although I have done all of my studies in clinical as well, I have found that in the um, shamanic approach, there can be very quick results. Um, and for some people, it's gonna sound out there, but for hypnotherapy, <laughs> I mainly specialize in past life regression, birth regression, um, entity removal, whether that be foreign energy from the body or actually an outside force. Um, soul fragmentation retrieval and a lot of these aspects that we don't really think about the subtle body and the soul keeping a score right we know the body keeps score but mm -hmm. do we really think of the ways that that applies to the rest of our being and so with the clients those are just some of the things that they can experience and normally they're coming in for a very specific desire um, for healing whether that be from a specific trauma or they're having a relationship issue that we keep on running into you know a lot of times my clients are like it's been the same story just the players keep on changing right <laughs> and that's almost what i like to call like the skipping record i imagine a vinyl that just keeps skipping and skipping and skipping and normally what we need to do is go to the very first time we came in contact with the energy and unpack that also clients that have memory loss um, you can't remember the childhood at all. Mama Bill come to me because when we access the subconscious mind, we're really able to change the whole framework of our reality, right? The subconscious is like 95% of the mind. Um, when we are in the ages of 0 to 12, everything we're absorbing, everything we're moving around, immediately gets dropped into that subconscious mind. So if my mom said, healthy girls eat broccoli, that's something that I would be told, I would take that, because I, I don't have the critical mind to weigh, oh, do healthy girls really eat broccoli or do they not, you know? Mm -hmm. And I immediately put that as a truth in my subconscious mind. And then as I get older, that becomes the framework in which I see reality. That's my lens of understanding reality. So in another way, if I always overheard parents' conversations saying there's never enough, there's not enough, there's not enough. I would take that as a capital T truth that would be implanted into my subconscious mind and I would grow up always seeing things through the lens of there is not enough. And so when we're able to drop into hypnotherapy, we're able to access those subconscious beliefs, sort through them and be like, is this really 
what I want to be here. It's like if you had a garden of your mind and yet there's all these bitter roots or invasive plants growing underneath. No matter how much you poured on top new soil and planted new vegetation every single spring, it wouldn't be the bounty and the harvest that you desire because there's still invasive plants beneath the surface. And that's what's happening a lot of time with our truth of the way that we see the world. There's these subconscious beliefs that are embedded into our subconscious mind that are forming the lens of reality. But then we get to ask ourselves, but do I really want to believe that anymore? Do I really want to believe that there isn't enough? How has that helped me through this life? Or how has it harmed me? And so a lot of the times, um, through a spiritual hypnosis approach, which also marries my Reiki practice, and I also bring in sound with those sessions, it really helps us get to the root of the issue. You know, normally we're dealing with the trimming of the tree on the outside, the manicure of the outside of the essence of the mind, but we really need to get to the root of the issue so the whole tree can thrive. Mm, you know, this so resonates with me. Um, I actually did another episode. We had a human design reader come on and she spoke about how the throat chakra is my chakra to work through in this lifetime and I even have a tattoo of it um, and it's, it's interesting you're bringing up all these factors of voice and how healing it is and I've noticed you know I've kind of put away my voice and it was like from this this childhood things and so to now be able to bring that out again as a form of like connecting back to the inner child it's like all of this work kind of comes together in that sense and I think that's just so incredible um, I, I really love everything you're saying. It's like, wow, I'm meant to hear this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the voice yeah. is it's so critical, right? You yeah. Know, so many of us have been taught to be submissive in different ways. And mm-hmm. then we feel a disconnect to our truth because in one way or another, we've been told or that that truth isn't true or it's been invalidated, right? Mm-hmm. And, and when we, I believe that especially as a collective, We are all being called to own our individual voices. And Mm -hmm. when we begin to embody that again, we will see the collective dream change. And I truly believe that if we are all empowered in this way to know that we are the healer that we are seeking and that we have the power within, this divine sound healing instrument is embedded in your body, (laughs) in your vehicle. Mm -hmm. Like You don't need to buy anything. It's right here. You can use it even in that somatic experience of allowing your breath to take on sound. Like, just get curious. You know, we do so much in our society. We try to emulate. We just participate in this culture of taking someone else's truth as our own. And, like, my teacher calls it fraud culture. And, you know, we listen to these pop stars and we start trying to emulate the way that they sing, right? We start mimicking it. It's like, oh, I'm going to sound like Christina Aguilera now. <laughs> and, you know, I'm probably aging myself or Freddie Spears and like then it's like well what does it sound like to sing like you mm-hmm. like your voice is more healing to your body than any other voice could ever be ever mm-hmm. and yeah. it's more intricate than your fingerprint that's why they use voice recognition like it is so important I really really believe we're on the precipice of this renaissance of people owning their truth and their voice again and then once society does that, we are mm-hmm. going to see a completely different dream come to life. And I hope in mm-hmm. one that we can all be in harmony. Yeah. And that, that's what I hope for. Yeah, totally. Me too. Um, yeah, we, you spoke a lot about 
you know, childhood experiences and how maybe family or community can affect our truth or our vision of our truth. Um, what about too in spiritual hypnotherapy, it goes back with past life regression and then also bringing in maybe that intergenerational trauma that we carry and we may not be aware of. How do you work with that? So it's really interesting because sometimes people can experience a whole entire past life regression and at the end of it they realize, whoa, that wasn't even my soul. It's actually, that was my great-grandmother's life or I was mm-hmm. doing this work um, for, my, for my lineage. It's just so beautiful and so powerful. You know, I tell people, even if they don't believe in past lives, this is a way that your subconscious is creating a narrative for you to understand some greater truths that are informing your current life, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if you are not in a belief system that believes in reincarnation or past life experience, that's a way that your mind is giving you a story to understand those signatures of energy that are replicating in your current experience, right? And normally, when one is able to experience the, the full past life regression, they're able to have resolve with a portion or a piece of themselves or their lineage that they didn't have access to prior. And it's pretty wild the things that that can unlock them, um, especially when looking at just the beauty of releasing yourself from guilt and shame, right? A lot of times we hold this pain within generational lines and within our soul lineage as well and we have an opportunity to transmute it and I think it's really important no matter what your belief system is to validate your subconscious mind right you've mm-hmm. gone through your life and validated way too much don't do that to yourself mm. it's so harmful like mm-hmm. allow yourself to really experience it without judgment and then later yeah. you can sort it out and see okay, do I really think that that was real or is that just the way that my subconscious is telling me a specific story? Either way, I think it's 100% valid mm-hmm. because it's the way that you are speaking to yourself. Yeah. And that's something to pay attention to. Yeah, and, and even from a biological standpoint, I was just in a prenatal yoga training and they spoke about how when the mother is pregnant, she's carrying a baby with the baby's ovaries or sperm, which is ultimately their future child. And so it's almost the energy or the state of anxiety the mother could be in is passing down not only to the child but to their children and looking at it even from that perspective i think provides so much more compassion right for people who may be suffering in this fight or flight that doesn't feel like it's theirs and maybe they're carrying this lineage with them that you know was physically passed down in the womb totally and that really segues into the importance of an aspect of the practice which is birth regression your Mm. birth story informs so much of your life if you never mm-hmm. even you know ask if you have access to be able to ask um, the you know being that brought you into this world whether you identify her as mother or not, um, mm-hmm. finding out about your birth story can really do a lot just to get curious. That's your first expression of being into the outside world, and a mm-hmm. lot of times there can be trauma around birth and you may not even realize that that experience has informed so much of your reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very interesting practice. I haven't heard too much about that, so I'm excited to learn more about that. Yeah, it's powerful, and and it's really interesting because it goes back to, like, even if you don't have access to your birth story and you desire to do a birth regression piece, 
that is also, you know, a way that your subconscious mind is informing you what those energies were present, whether you cross-reference it and it was completely true or not. You know, mm-hmm. that is a way that your subconscious mind is speaking to you. And so there's something to pay attention to there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, I feel like I've learned a lot in this conversation. Um, I don't currently have any more questions, but is there anything that you feel like we didn't cover that you want to share with anyone listening or maybe some resources or opportunities if they want to join you and some of your healing work? Yeah, definitely. If you're interested and this like sparks something in you, or even if you have questions, you know, my email's always open. Um, and my website is foxysage.com. Um, that's my business, so you can find me on um, all social media under Foxy Sage. And um, if you want to listen to some sound bath experiences at home, I'm in the studio right now, so there's going to be a lot more that's coming out. Um, but I do have two tracks on Spotify that you can listen to. Um, and if you're in the Santa Barbara area, a lot of times I travel too, and I think in the next year there's going to be a lot more world travel um, mm-hmm. with my offerings. And so, um, yeah, connect with me on socials. And um, if you aren't on social media, I love that. Which I can have <laughs> to me with my business. Um, but yeah, my, my email is always open, and you'll find that all on my website on foxysage.com. And I just encourage every listener to return back to the wisdom that they have in the heart, heart of hearts, and really trust that inner intuition and inner wisdom. And don't quiet that voice because that voice is speaking to you for a very specific reason. You know, you have all of the answers that you're seeking within. And I encourage you to be empowered by that and to enter into the divine grace that is aloha. You know, I study in the lineage um, of the Hawaiian kingdom and aloha, um, it translates to alo meaning face and ha meaning breath or spirit. Mm-hmm. So aloha is the divine love that is within each breath. You know, this love, this resource, is you can never be separate from it when you connect to your breath intentionally. And so all of the support that you ever need, if you turn inward and allow your breath to be that divine aloha, that you can see that divine love is the fabric of this universe, so you cannot be separate for it because it it is what you are and it's available to you at any moment by simply turning your intention and attention there. Mm 